This is a podcast of the Church of Indian Lake. Let's go to Psalm 85. Psalm 85. And why don't we just stand together, if you don't mind. I know you get all comfortable. If you have the Bible that I'm using, that would be page 325. Psalm 85, verse 1 and 2 says, Lord, you showed favor to your land. You restored Jacob's prosperity. You took away your people's guilt. You covered all their sin. Now let's go to verse 8. I will listen to what God will say. Surely the Lord will declare peace to his people, his godly ones, and not let them go back to foolish ways. His salvation is very near to those who fear him so that the glory may dwell in our land. Faithful love and truth will join together. Righteousness and peace will embrace. Truth will spring up from the earth and righteousness will look down from heaven. Now let's read out loud verse 12 together. Also, the Lord will provide what is good and our land will yield its crops. I'll read 13. Righteousness will go before him to prepare the way For his steps. Let's pray. God, prepare our hearts for your coming. We want to be a people who are ready, ready for the second coming of the Lord. But how can we be ready for the second coming if we don't recognize your first coming, Lord? We pray that this Christmas season will not just be a cultural tradition, though we do enjoy that aspect of the holiday. But beyond that, And as a priority, Christ Jesus, come be at home in our hearts, be at home in our lives. And Lord, let our hearts be your home. We pray that this psalm today will mark us and the power of your scripture will transform us. Let us be ready to receive what your word has to say. If you agree with me, we'd say amen. Amen. Well, you may find your seat. When I was 13, my youth group went on a mission trip from Dallas to Chicago. And our youth pastor had an idea. He was tired of standing in line at McDonald's and having an order of whatever, 10, 20 kids, and then adding up the total at the end and having to deal with all that. So he had an idea that he thought was good. Took the church's budget, the mission trip budget, the fundraising, what the parents contributed, figured out what the meal budget was and distributed cash to the students. I mean, it was gonna be no hassle on his part. So he thought. So I'm 13 and I get the money from the trip for my meals. And my parents also gave me money just for some spending money. And here I was with a, pocket full. I didn't even have a billfold, a pocket full of cash. And as the trip progressed, we made some stops. And I remember stopping at a Christian bookstore back when people used to go to bookstores. There was a time when people would go there and this cash in my pocket that was designated for food and emergencies. It was just too compelling because some of you may remember this. There, there were some Christian rock groups that I had to support. DeGarmo and Key had their first, their new tape out. No, not a CD, a tape. 
Does anyone in here remember to guard my own key? Does anyone? Okay. Oh my goodness. That's like double from the 9 a.m. service. This is the Christian service, right? Yeah. And then there was Petra. You remember Petra? Now, ladies and gentlemen, I don't want to cause a, a rush in the audience, but Petra's former producer, Paul Jackson, Pastor Deborah's husband, he, Paul Jackson was a former producer of Petra and he is on campus right now. Do not leave your seat. I, I know you're going to rush him for, for an autograph, but he, he's here doing something right now. And, and Paul, Paul was Petra's producer. So I bought a Petra tape and a Garmon key ta- tape. And then I remember uh, there was this poster that it was a picture of like a messy teenager's room. And it had a caption that for some reason I thought was so cool. It said, Lord, bless this mess. And I thought, wow, that's a cool poster because I'm a teenager now and, and I just need to put that in my room. So I've got my, my food cash and I got the DeGarmon key tape, the Petra tape and the bless this mess poster. And then, you know, in the afternoon when we stopped, not just for a $1.50 milkshake, we, we went to a place that sold gourmet milkshakes as if milk and ice cream is blended in a more gourmet way. I don't know how that happens, but I, I paid $5 for a milkshake. And I remember one of our youth sponsors, she was a, a lady and kind of in a motherly way. She asked me very kindly, she's like, Aaron, uh, are you uh, going to have enough money to eat the rest of the trip? I was like, oh yeah, no problem. No problem. I got this covered. And I, I know how to budget my money. Well, by the end of the trip, we were somewhere in rural Illinois, traveling back. We were, we were at a Taco Bell and I was kind of shuffling around the restaurant while everybody was getting their food because I was out of money. I mean, this is, this is, wow, thank you for the compassion for my wife, yeah. I was out of money and this same youth sponsor noticed that and she, she came up to me, she said, are you out of money, Aaron? I said, yeah, she said, let me buy your dinner. So we're in line together and some demonic, demented, 15-year-old cruel boy decided in a really loud voice to go, hey, Aaron, did you run out of money or something? With his men, you know, menacing laugh. <laughs> I was a conscientious kid, you know, so I was a little embarrassed. I was embarrassed about the whole deal. Before I could respond, this youth sponsor said, no, I've owed, I've owed Aaron dinner for a while. I'm taking care of it now. And the conversation ended just like that. Now, I had been irresponsible. I had not heeded her advice. I had been unwise. And I really deserved to learn a lesson. And I deserved exposure. And I deserved embarrassment. But I received love. And that's our theme today. In the second week of Advent, we're going to talk about love, and it's a subject that I never tire of preaching because I've received so much of it. We are people who have received much love, and through the psalm, through Psalm 85, the song that was sung by our, our ancient ancestors who serve the same God we serve today, we're going to learn some things about love. And here's the first thing that jumped out to me is this, love covers. Love covers us up. And in that restaurant, way back in the Bush administration, the first Bush administration, 
In that little restaurant somewhere in rural Illinois, I received some love that I didn't deserve. And it was a really small act of kindness. Isn't it amazing how an act of kindness can impact you even decades later? And we've received so much more from Jesus. There's a covering. You're, gonna, you're, you're thinking of something right now, or if not, it'll come to you this afternoon, of a time when someone covered you and it was an act of love. And that's not always the appropriate response. You know, sometimes consequences need to be fleshed out. The Holy Spirit leads us in that. But there are many instances and many times when love covers us. And we deserve punishment and consequences and exposure and embarrassment. But we get love anyway. And that's the character we see in our God so Psalm 85, 1 and 2, we've read it already, but let's, we can read it on the screen together. It says, Lord, you showed favor to your land and you restored Jacob's prosperity. You took away your people's guilt and you covered all their sin. Isn't that a great realization? We, we sing about the blood of Jesus and we do so not in a it's kind of a morbid, sick way. We sing about the blood of Jesus because Jesus took the consequences of our sin through the shedding of his blood, and that's what covers us. The punishment we deserve, Jesus received. And he is the one who covers us. When we, we deserve to be exposed, we deserve to be embarrassed, we deserve the consequences, but Jesus covers us. And that's who... His character is. And so when we talk about love during the Christmas season, this is not some sentimental emotion. We, we sometimes think the emotion of love is what love is. It has an emotional component, but it's more than feeling an emotion. It's understanding a character. The character of God is love. And because the character of God is love, he's covering you. He is covering you. You are doomed without his covering. The wrath of God is very certain without the covering of Jesus. I want you to turn to Romans chapter three. It's not in your notes. I want to write that down. But Romans chapter three, I want you to look at that in your Bible or on your phone. If you have my Bible that I'm using, that's in page 621. Romans chapter three. I hear pages rustling. It's like a, it's like a throwback in time, like a time machine. Papers are wrestling. Romans chapter three, verse 25, it says, God presented him as a propitiation through faith in his blood to demonstrate his righteousness because in his restraint, God passed over the sins previously committed. That's Romans three twenty-five on page 621. This is an interesting word, propitiation. You see it in your Bibles. You may see it on the screen there. It's a word that some of the newer translations quit using. The King James used to use it, and then NIV and NLT and even the RSV quit using it. Now, the ESV and the Holman have gone back to using it, and here's the reason why. There's not quite any word like it that translates into English. Propitiation was very much associated uh, with the different idol worship that would happen. And essentially, propitiation means this, appeasement. 
And so there was a sense of we have to appease the gods. And even in the old covenant, God said, this is the way you pay the price for your sin. You, you have to ceremonially wash. You have certain day of the year, the atonement comes and you sacrifice certain animals. You put, you put the sin upon the scapegoat and release them in the wilderness. There's all types of steps. God said, this appeases me. This is the propitiation. Another word that is more, more known today is the word atonement, which is more talking about the price, the price paid. I see all of this because this is what it means, a covering. Your sins are covered. Your sins are covered. They're taken care of. God presented him, being Jesus, as a propitiation, an atonement, a covering through faith in his blood to demonstrate his righteousness because in his restraint, God passed over the sins previously committed. The wrath of God is as sure as the sin of God. God's holiness demands his wrath. But we are not victims of the wrath of God. We're covered. Guys, we are people who are under the covering of Jesus. We don't deserve it. We haven't earned it. Uh, there isn't anything in our morality that makes us worthy of it. But Jesus has chosen us. God's chosen us and says, I have covered your sin, your wrong attitude, your thoughts that don't please me. We are covered. And that is the message of the incarnation. The incarnation, that is the coming of the Lord in Bethlehem. God reducing himself to a single human cell. God reducing himself to an embryo, to a baby, to a child. It's not a safe, little, cute story. It's a story of sacrifice. The sacrifice Jesus made wasn't just a sacrifice on the cross. It was a sacrifice of his incarnation, his coming. He reduced himself. He became nothing so he could become everything to us. And he's covered us, guys. The work of the cross, the work of the cross is the culmination of everything that's happened in Jesus coming and sinless life and willing sacrifice. That's why we celebrate and we celebrate the Christmas season, the incarnation. We're covered by Jesus and his covering is a good thing. How many are glad you're under the covering of the Lord? We know the atonement of the Lord. We know the propitiation. It's a word we don't use in English, but it's a word that now we know is beautiful and is good. You know what else is good? I was a youth pastor for 10 years and now I've been a senior pastor an additional 10 years. So in those 20 years of ministry, I've always been involved with youth. I'm still involved with our youth today as much as they let me. Half of them know me and like me. The other half's like, who's the old man hanging around us? But Okay, they might not like me, I like them. But one thing that's good about youth ministry is rules. I mean, you have to have rules in youth ministry. And we have these running list of rules. You'll be glad to know, if you're a parent or a grandparent, that we have some rules that our teenagers must abide by when they go on a trip with us. And these are not arbitrary rules that we just made up because we had extra time. Because every single rule is attached to an individual, our group of kids. Uh, in fact, there's a story behind every rule. There's a group of guys I think about every year because about 12 years ago, uh, they decided it would be a good idea to go on the balcony of the hotel and shoot bottle rockets at the rest of the youth group. And every year I think of them when I say, no fireworks allowed on this trip. Every rule has a name attached to it. 
Every role has a person and a memory. Now, as parents and grandparents and people who love teenagers, there's a rule that I know you all are going to believe is the will of God for our kid and every kid, our kids and every kid who goes on a trip with us. When the chartered bus is driving in the middle of the night in rural Alabama and it's two in the morning, how many know it's God's will that the boys and girls sit separately and not together? Is that not the will of God? Okay, amen. So there are various stories and reasons why that is a hard, fast rule and will always be. We have a rule in our office. We have a small little staff in our office, but we have a rule that is this, no eating stinky food at lunch in the office. (laughs) Because I don't want people to show up and smell Wendy's or Panda Express. They show up for a meeting and it's like, man, who's eating Wendy's right now? You know, who's having the orange chicken and fried rice? So, you know, we say, let's take the food down the aisle. Why? It's because that happened. Someone showed up, smelled fast food, and we don't want that to happen again, right? Here's what love does. Love not only covers, love sustains us. Love is actually an expression. Rules are an expression of love if it's from a loving leader, our loving father. Look at this scripture. In verse number, uh, number eight, I will listen to what God will say. Surely the Lord will declare peace to his people, his godly ones. Now look at this phrase, and not let them go back to foolish ways. Okay, we're, we're not going to let teenagers have fireworks on the balcony anymore. All right, we're not going to stink up our office again. I know those are somewhat minor infractions, especially the food part. But the point is this, the loving God we have doesn't want us to continue in a a lifestyle that opposes his will and opposes his plan for us or is harmful or is destructive. God covers our sins. Yes. Thank you, Lord. But then he says, because I've covered your sin, I'm not going to let them go back to foolish ways. He's going to sustain us. You know, the same God who forgave you, the same God who set you free, the same God who led you to repentance is the same God who wants to maintain your holiness by giving you the power to say no to the things you need to say no to and to say yes to everything he has for us. Moving on in the narrative, just this is a great verse. Verse nine says, his salvation is very near those who fear him so that his glory may dwell in our land. Is that not a good word, God's love covers us and God's love sustains us. Something that Beth and I did right after we got married, we made a major mistake. And for every young couple here, if you've not done this already, I wanna warn you, do not do what we did. We had not had our first child yet. She was not even a thought yet. So we decided it was a wise thing since both of us were working full time and we lived in a condo to get a puppy. I mean, we're both working jobs. She's working downtown Nashville, doesn't get home till six. I'm working youth ministry. And we thought with no yard, it is a wise thing to add this animal to our house. So there was a TV show out Don Johnson starred in called Nash Bridges. Y'all remember that one? With bright suits and bright cars. So we named this little dog Nash. 
And I guess I was fond of Nash in a way. I liked him. I invested some time in him. And we, we had some friends come stay with us. They were youth evangelists passing through town. And they stayed in our extra room there. And we spent a lot of time with us one particular week. And this dog was not responding to me at all. He wouldn't sit. He wouldn't go outside. He wouldn't stop, you know, licking someone's foot. Sorry to bring that up. Um, he just... Uh, he just was an obstinate dog. He was, he was not obeying me at all. And my friend said, Aaron, you know what the problem is with this dog? The problem is you love the dog too much. And so I just got, what are you talking about? I'll show you how to discipline this dog. And, and you know, I changed my ways, got the thing under control for a while. Um, made me think a lot about discipline. You know, that you don't really love someone until you're willing to discipline them if you have that type of relationship, that is. So it's not, love does not mean you abandon principles or truth. Here's the third observation I want you to see about, about love from this psalm, is love is bonded with truth. They, they go together. One without the other is incomplete. Look at verse 10, Psalm 85. Faithful love and truth will join together. This is a psalm talking about the idealism that happens with the coming of the Messiah. And so it is that Jesus, who was fully man and fully God, is the perfect example of someone who was completely full of love and simultaneously completely full of truth. We incorrectly believe it has to be one or the other. We think if we're going to be this person of truth and standards and, and discipline, that means we're unloving and uncaring. And conversely, we incorrectly think to be this person of love means we don't have standards and we never confront uh, things that violate God's will. They're not exclusive. No, they're bonded together. And so when you bond something together, if you rip love from truth, it's, it's distorted and it can really hurt people. And if you rip truth from love, it's not... It's not what God designed it to be. They're bonded together. They join together. And this, this phrase is so good. Faithful love and truth will join together. Righteousness and peace will embrace. Truth will spring from the earth and righteousness will look down from heaven. And as I was thinking about this message today, I was reviewing the notes this morning. In prayer, I felt like someone and probably someones, probably several people in here, that you are in a deceptive relationship. And there's someone in your life that you're keeping truth from because you think you love them because you love them you're keeping truth from. And the Lord wants you to know today that you cannot sustain a relationship in deception. Now, as I'm saying this, a lot of things are running through my mind. I'm not suggesting, I'm not suggesting that this applies to every single person because things, things get complicated and timing is important and atmosphere is important. But I believe the Holy Spirit is, is making this really known. Some of us are in truly deceptive relationships. One thing that comes to mind is this, whole concept of online relationships, which 
Hopefully, as we're 15 years into the internet age, those have begun to diminish, I would hope. But this idea of pretending we're someone else online, and I don't know if anyone's doing that or not. I don't know if people even do that anymore, but if you are, you need to stop it. The Lord wants to know, you just need to stop it because you're, you're walking in deception. And that makes me think of the temptation to be involved in infidelity. If you're involved in infidelity, there's most likely deception that's happening there. And love and truth. Love is not love if there's not truth in it. So let's be men and women of truth. Let's be men and women of love. Know that they're bonded together. You can't break them apart. They have to be together. This, This issue of deception can move beyond what we call romantic love, if you want to call it that. Whether, whether it's the way you run your business, whether it's academic fraud you may be available in, uh, excuse me, academic fraud you may be involved in. Um, Jesus wants you to be a person of truth. And, and we, we are not among those who decide when we're truthful or not and somehow think that our love for someone else gives us a free pass to be untruthful. So I don't know what that means but I believe the Holy Spirit's working that in our hearts right now and the seed's just coming down in some good places. And so, so we, we hear you, Lord. We hear you, Lord. Here, here's what I wanna tell you. I wanna tell you this, is that love is not dysfunctional. You need to know that. And love is not abusive either. Love doesn't bring you bad. So if, if dysfunction and abuse and bad and evil is coming to you, that's not love. You may feel the emotions of love, but the product of that is not love. Love, I'm gonna say very carefully, I chose these three phrases carefully. Love is not dysfunction and love is not abuse and love is not bad. You know what love is? Here's my last point. Love brings us good. Love brings us Good. That's what God has for you. We, we spoke out loud together, verse 12, and we'll read it again. Don't, don't say it out loud, but let it just fall in your heart. Also, the Lord will provide what is good, and our land will yield this crop. The Lord will provide what is good. I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 3. You know, the Bible doesn't prom- the Bible does not promise we won't have persecution and we won't have trial and we won't have adversity. So I'm not here saying that you're not gonna have a hard time in your future or you're not gonna have adversity, you're not gonna have trial, but I can tell you because of the character of God and what his word says, good's coming to you. Because God said, even the things that are bad, he works to your good if you love him. Good is coming to you. This is not some kind of psychological mental boost to give you as as we leave. This is the character of God. God brings good to your life. God brings good to your life. And he even works good in really bad situations. And I don't know how he does it, but I'm not God and he is and he always does. And you're gonna see the goodness of the Lord in your life. You're gonna see the goodness of the Lord in your life. I want to read this, this scripture with you. Ephesians chapter three on page 644, starting with verse 17. 
And I pray that you, this is midway through 17, being rooted and firmly established in what? In love. I pray that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width, height and depth of God's love. And I love this phrase, to know the Messiah's love. The NIV says experience the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Guys, this this Advent season, this Christmas season, um, love is not just an emotion that we temporarily feel that comes and goes. Love is a person and it's an experience and, and love's available for you. Love is here. Love is here right now. Love is tangible. Love is experiential. And God wants you to know that his love is on you. I mean, you've been marked by the love of God. Psalm 85 has been a gift to you today. You know, the Lord has given you Psalm 85 to encourage your spirit today. Psalm 85, you know, you'll never be the same because of Psalm 85, because of the power of the scripture. You've been marked by the scripture. And the Lord wants you to know today you're covered, that you're a person of truth. The Lord wants you to know that he's sustaining you. You're not gonna go back to your old ways. You're not gonna regress. You're not gonna make the same mistake again because God's sustaining you. God's love is giving you strength for a new day. A new day means new strength. That's why the mercies of the Lord are new every morning. You know, every day we have a challenge that that we may not know what's going to face us that day, but there's a new mercy for a new challenge. There's a new mercy for a new opportunity. And God's love is gonna sustain us. And I, I want to speak to those in here. Listen, this is the Holy Spirit speaking now. Those in here who you have had an unhealthy fear of regressing, back to an old lifestyle or an old choice or repeating history or even some of you who think you're doomed to repeat the same mistake a parent has made or a grandparent has made and the Lord wants you to know today he's sustaining you and he does not want you to go back on those paths again. He's going to keep you from those paths as you walk with him. That's what the love of the Lord is. The Lord's covering you. The Lord's sustaining you. The Lord's having you walk in truth. And then I want you to know this. Good is coming to you. Good is coming to you. This is not, again, I repeat the same thing I said earlier intentionally. This is not a promise that there won't be persecution or there won't be hardship, but there's good in the persecution and there's good in the hardship and there's good coming to you because the fruit of the Holy Spirit in your life is many things, but one of the things it is, it's goodness. Just good stuff's coming your way. Through Jesus, good stuff's coming your way. Let's stand together. Lord, we just thank you for this. Now let's stand in a posture of prayer. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you're showering your presence upon us in this place. Thank you, Lord, that you want us to experience your love today. The Lord just wants you to know this, that God, he he has given you this scripture as a gift today because he is showering his love upon you. I mean, it's like the waterfall of grace and love. Waterfall of grace and love is coming down and you don't earn it. 
and you don't deserve it. And all you have to do is by grace, you step in and you become a receptor of every good thing God has. A receptor of every good thing God has for you. That's what his love is. That's what his grace is. And it's just coming right down on you. It's coming right down on you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. I'm going to ask that our prayer partners. Thank you for listening to the podcast of the Church of Indian Lake.